Now, now we have a duly certified service. All right. All right. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, our order of service is the St. Stephen's service, and, um, and we will uh, begin with the entrance hymn, hymn 478. communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. the 
Let us confess our sin to one another and to the Lord. Gracious Father, we confess that we have tried to hide ourselves and our sins from you. For we know that we have done wrong. We are drawn to live lives selfish. Almighty God, rich in mercy and abundant in love, has given his Son to die for us. For Jesus' sake, at his command and in his behalf, I forgive you all your sins. Go in peace. You have new life in Jesus Christ. This new life is founded in forgiveness and framed by joy. Therefore, with the song of the angels in our hearts and on our lips, we join the whole church on earth and in heaven to proclaim. together. O oh God, the strength of those who hope in you, be present and hear our prayers, 
and because of the weakness of our normal nature, we can do nothing without you. Give us help with your grace, so that in keeping your commandments, we may please you in will and deed, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated for the readings. Good morning. Uh, the first lesson is from the 19th chapter of Exodus. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what I want you to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And the second lesson is from chapter 15 of Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we see, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, the death through sin, and his way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern for the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? This is the word of God.
Matthew, the ninth chapter, beginning at the ninth chapter. Thank you, Lord, for this gift of Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciple, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve disciples. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go, rather, to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the gospel of the Lord. God's grace, His mercy, and His peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. So it is Father's Day, and much would I tell you. <laughs> but I, I just want to say that, that um, I mean, even as I was growing up, perce perceptively, the role of father has, well taken on different dimensions. I remember uh, one of the first uh, things that, that uh, as a kid, uh, I wasn't a father, anywhere near a father, but uh, I remember, and maybe you do as well, anything you can do, I can do better. Now, I think that even um, in the garden of Eden, uh, God had certain ideas on how things should go, and maybe it might be that we, God sets things up and we strive to knock things down. I also note, if you're familiar with the, uh, in the garden of Gethsemane, if you're familiar with the story of the fall of the human race, that here we see the thing addressed to Adam. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to Moses. Even those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Um, and these are... Uh, probably expectations that God had set up. Adam is the one who gets nailed for the sin. Why? It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, maybe it's not popular to blame this person or that person or what have you. But there's a clear 
order that God has, has set down. And even as I'm speaking of it, I feel like I am giving a political speech, which shouldn't be at all. What I expect to happen would be that God would say, all right, I have created, and he says here, the whole earth is mine. So God creates something. And then his creatures listen to him and follow him. And then he sends them out like in the gospel lesson to preach and to say the kingdom of God is here. And so the purpose of the church is to spell out who God is and what God teaches. Is this not, and is this rational, would you say? This is the purpose of God's church. Christ is the head of the church to proclaim. So no matter what political influence, no matter what, as a child of God, you see God as your creator. And God is the one who leads the church. And then God sends us out to love God with all our heart and love our neighbors as ourselves. But, like I said earlier, God sets things up and we like to deconstruct things. And there's good reason, really, because if one person takes advantage of their position over another person, why would the other person not stand up and say, that's enough of that? So Adam is the one who gets pointed at. You. There's another one that's going to, you are a type. There's going to be an anti-type of you. Adam, because of what you did, things are not well. Because you, you did one little thing wrong. Is that fair even? But it is what it is. God sets things up and we deconstruct. And as you see in the discussion in the Garden of Eden, there was some deconstruction going on because God is God and Adam and Eve were his creation. And Satan comes up and says, you know, God's hiding stuff from you. You should know everything. After all, you're unique and special and and you're God's creation, and look, he set up all of this for you. Shouldn't you know as much as God? And, man, Mr. Snake, if you put it that way, it, it makes a lot of sense. You make a lot of sense that we should know as much as God. God should tell us everything. And that led to biting from the fruit of the tree that God had commanded them not to. And it plunged them into all kinds of things. I think that one of the things that, that we keep repeating is, and, it, and it, it becomes a deconstruction of our whole society, is that somehow God has his say, okay, that's fine, you know, he's been speaking for a long, long time, longer than anybody else, God has been speaking, and now it's our turn to speak. Does that not make sense? I guess in a satanic kind of way. I suppose it does. 
But in that, we continue to deconstruct. So where you have God's church speaking, God's church will refer to God as female or as something other, deconstructing who he is. Now, who, who made him he? Who announced that he was he? Who did that? Well, I mean, Jesus was, Jesus, yeah, Jesus declared himself a he, didn't he? Uh, why did he do that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to try to explain. It does not make a statement that, that this gender is superior to that gender or anything like that. This is not my intention to use Father's Day to, to lord it over women. We had Mother's Day, and we know that without mothers, there would be, no one would really, we would all die out without mothers doing what mothers need to do. But what about fathers? You know, fathers are just there. Oftentimes they get referred to as, can I say this from the pulpit? Sperm donors. And sometimes fathers will, will um, and when I say fathers, I, I'm not meaning happy Father's Day fathers. I'm meaning people who, who want freedom without responsibility. And why did God make himself known the way he made himself known? I don't know. Why did God set up culture the way he set up culture? I don't know. Why did certain people have certain attributes and other people not have other attributes? I don't know. But I can tell you now that we have deconstructed to such an extent that people who were born a certain way now proclaim that they are this way and don't, you can't even argue with them. And so Happy Father's Day becomes Happy Father's Day and Happy Day to those people who are acting like fathers. So if anybody's your, like your father figure type thing, then Happy Father's Day to them too. And I get it. I mean, I, I, I do. I really do get it that... that uh, there are fathers, there are people who want to be fathers who can't be fathers. I mean, Abraham being one of them, he wanted to be a father for so long. And then finally, at 100, he became a father, which anybody in their right mind would say, that's so irresponsible, Abraham, having a child at 100. I mean, how long do you expect to live? Well, longer than nowadays, but of course, we don't even recognize that because it's in the Bible, some fictitious thing, I guess. I don't know. Deconstruction. And uh, another thing I remember, uh, as I'm not so much a kid, but I remember it takes a village to raise a child, right? So fathers, you can sit this one out because villages will take care. They will raise your kids. And you know what? I can remember a time when, when I, might, I might have, I might have done something that a young boy probably shouldn't do on the other side of the subdivision. 
And somehow my mom found out. How did she do that? Because maybe that whole adage about a village raises a child was in force back then. So it wasn't exclusive from one thing to the next. You know, so-and-so around the block or across the, the, the neighborhood uh, knew whose child I was. And uh, because there was community, there was togetherness and that sort of thing, and they made a phone call to their friend, my mother, and said, you know, you need to talk to your son about this. And then the father would, you know, come home. I do remember that as well. Which may or may not be a good way to raise a child, but man, I can remember walking home from school with my report cord thinking, my mom's going to take one look at that and she's going to say, wait till your father gets home. Well, what if you don't have a father? Wait till who gets home? And we have nowadays, and I'll tell you, you know, the, the, the thing, you know, just fast forward. Now, the police get called to, here, here's where a lot of calls, a lot of calls come out. And, and then, of course, we hear how, you know, there are people who have had car accidents or whatever, and it takes hours for the police to get there. Well, that's because they're going to calls like this. My child is being unruly and won't leave. I've told my child to leave, and my child won't leave. You need to come fix this, police. Really? And you, you, and you even have things that are a little, it, it's, it's sort of like, uh, let's see, it's a grandfather whose family is, um, well, they're having struggles. And so he takes, he takes in the granddaughter, and the mother's there as well. And, uh, and so the great-grandchild is acting up, and great-grandfather decides to correct great-grandchild in his house, and pandemonium ensues because, uh, because grandchild uh, disagrees with grandfather, and, and daughter wants to back up granddaughter, and so now we have a big fight, and so the police are invited into that scene. This is a lot of what happened. We call that 103D, domestic. These are domestic, 103s, left and right, 103D. 103M, mental. 103 is kind of a disturbance. 103s all over the place. 103s. Why? Because there are no fathers. So, as you fathers listen to God's word, you realize that there's something in there that gives responsibility. And somehow your responsibility is different than that of your wife. Shall we call, I don't know, let's just call them role models. Right? 
And God has in mind certain things for, let's just call one male and the other female. There are certain roles. And I think we have deconstructed things to a certain point in this society that, um, well, marriage has become passe, has it not? I, uh, um, I've heard from many young people, ah, why even get married? I wouldn't be a good father anyway. And why is that? Because maybe what they think a father should do is, I don't know, what should a father do nowadays? Even in my age, you know, I was in seminary, I didn't have any kids, and, uh, and, but this thing called the internet was kicking off. Um, now, if, uh, if my children have any questions, where do they go? Okay, they don't go to dad. I can remember my dad teaching me things, and my dad wasn't um, the best dad on earth, but, but he would teach me things, and that would be the way that I would learn. And to be honest, if my dad didn't teach me, I didn't know it, and I grew up without that knowledge. So what fathers used to do and what fathers do now is completely different. And what are you going to do about that? Turn off your kid's internet? Forbid them from getting fatherly advice from people who sit around and panel, you know, have an iPod, what are you, podcasts? You can't, you can't do that. And so the deconstruction of society continues. And, but there are still fathers. There are still mothers. There are still children of God going forward. And fathers are respecting their, their mothers, their wives. Fathers are respecting them and, and honoring them. And mothers are respecting and honoring their husbands and their fathers. Respect, love. This fits in with what God brought forth. Love God, listen to Him, honor Him. I, should I explain any more about that? I don't think I have to. God is God. God can do what He wants and He can say what He wants. But who is God? A stern father shaking his fist at his children? Is this our God? No. Who is Jesus? who is the antitype of Adam. And by the way, many others. As we're going through Genesis, we go, oy vey. You know, maybe some of these people who are prevalent in our Bible, they're not very good fathers at times, right? Not very good fathers, not very good husbands. But you see, there's, there's those folks, and then there's Jesus who went around and Jesus invited, he loved, he healed, and he sent his disciples out to do the same. And the Bible says of Jesus, a smoldering wick he did not put out, a bruised reed he did not break. 
strong. Jesus is strong. He endured two sentences of death. The, the 40 minus 1, 39 stripes, that was enough to kill a person. And then hanging on the cross. He endured both. Strength. Then he said what he had to say before he gave up his spirit. Now that is a story of strength and love. God forgive them. They know not what they do. And in that, Jesus is kind of displaying things that a role model, a son, a father, he gives Mary, his mother, to someone that he knows will be a good protector because they didn't have social security back then. And so as he's hanging from the cross, he tells John to take his, his mother Mary home. He says, Mother, behold your son. John, behold your mother. And the Bible says from that time on, John took Mary home to live with him. Protection, strength, honor, integrity. A lot of these things are expected of everyone, but oftentimes of the males among us. But nowadays, when you talk about role models and all of those things, you get a rebuttal that that's somehow sexist or... And the whole goal is for us to be, I don't, I don't even know what the goal really is. To me, it's impossible as somebody who was born in the 1950s, you know, be it at the end. It's a real shock for me, to be honest. You know, I just, I, sometimes I just decide that, look, I'm just going to be who I am live out my years, and go to heaven. And what does God think about these things? Well, he thinks the same now as he did before. His plans didn't change. Does he still send us out? Yes. Male and female, does he send us out? Absolutely. Does he love males more than females? No. God is as inclusive as we need to be. But the thing is, is that sometimes inclusivity does not mean that we get to define who He is. You don't get to define who I am. And that's the big thing in, in our society today. Don't define who I am. I get to define who I am. And today, I choose to be a polka-dotted zebra. Very well then, polka-dotted zebra. And God 
is a rainbow or I don't know what. No, God is not a rainbow. And the more you blind yourself with your own aspirations and with your own deconstructive habits, the more you become blind because the truth is the truth, is it not? If I decide that gravity does not exist, does it cease to exist? No. If I decide that my body doesn't need food, does my body still need food? Absolutely. How about breathing? Where all the, what's this, where does all of this come from? Not from God, we are told. And we strive to spend millions and billions of dollars looking in other places where you see life can exist there too, as if that doesn't belong to God. This deconstruction thing, it's, it's killing us. But what are we to do? Go back to the good old days? I think God is perfectly content with blessing us as we follow Him. So whatever situation you're in, father, mother, God has expectations for you, which gives you what? Purpose in life. And as you go and fulfill the purpose that God has given to you, you propose also that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. And we did this in our confession at the beginning, right? We, we, talked, about, we talked about living free without responsibilities, saying, ah, that's their problem. And here, it's, basically, it's called sin because we confess that we sometimes forget about our neighbor and we say, ah, it's for the government or it's for somebody else to take care of because we have troubles of our own deconstructing what God has given us. And we're not content. But what do we do? We do something that is godly. We say, gentle Lord, in your mercy, forgive our sins and free us from our selfish ways. Because when we look at Christ on the cross, we see anything but someone who is selfish. We see the epitome of love, of sacrifice, of giving of oneself completely. And even, and even taking the full wrath of God which you and I deserve, not Jesus. So what did Jesus do? He became the sacrificial lamb. And God saw in Jesus sin and condemnation because Jesus obeyed the law completely, but God credited it to him as unrighteousness that you and I committed and continue to commit as long as we are here on this earth. So just as the previous week we were talking about Christ is our righteousness, today we just put another, we look at it from another thing. 
is Christ became unrighteous for us to be righteous. And he didn't deserve it, but he took it on as his role. That's what he did. And as we recently look at other holidays that we have, the remnants thereof, we see that other people, oftentimes males and also females, we don't want to alienate one gender against the other, but in history, oftentimes males answered the call to go and defend and to sacrifice their lives. And I think that if God were to, and God already does say, He would continue to say, I mean what I mean, and I've said what I've said, and I haven't changed. You have changed. But what is the answer to that? Come to me, all of you who are burdened, you're burdened with the internet. You're burdened with, with all kinds of attitudes out there because he knows that there's attitudes and deconstruction and all of these things. He knows that it's out there. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Males, females, men, women, fathers, mothers, continue to serve God in the roles that He has given you. And don't listen to, to what it is making it politics or whatever. And I'm sitting here and I, well, I'm standing here and I'm struggling to not make it political because that is not my intention. Because just like everybody else, I am trapped in this thinking on how can I be generous? How can I allow people and honor people to have their say as a chaplain when it's really not my place to correct them. And yet, I go out there to help them to take the next step and the next step, and that's what a chaplain does. What do I do next? Well, you make this phone call, or you, you do this, or you talk to your family about this, or you do such and so and so. Well, I can't do that. You're not the person that I would, I'm not going to listen to you because you're not the person. That's never happened, really, to be honest. And what I'm saying is that God is going to continue to be God and He's not going to erode like I have because I'm struggling here to not sound this way or that way because I don't want to offend anybody in here. But to be honest, if I say there is a such a thing as gravity and you're offended, what am I, <laughs> what am I to do with that? There is a male, there is a female, and somebody's offended. What, what can I say? What can I do? Do I mean to offend you? No. But there is a black and there is a white and there is God Almighty. And God Almighty, while we were still sinners, while, and sinners is missing the mark, which means you can't see well enough to hit the mark. And so we're blinded by sin. 
And it says, while we were still sinners, while we were at our weakest, Christ came on the scene and he rescued us. He suffered and he died for us and he did what he was supposed to do. So that you and I, who continue to not do what we are supposed to do, can come in here. And this is why church is so valuable and the services are so valuable because we can come in here and we can say, Lord God, I am a poor, miserable sinner. And you know what? You can do that while you're driving, to be honest. Sometimes I do. I'll just remember something I did when I was in high school and I'll go, oh, Lord God, what a stupid idiot. That's why I call myself a knucklehead, right? People kind of chuckle and they say, ah, pastor's calling himself a knucklehead. I don't know what knucklehead means to you, but to me, it means I have so much to be thankful for, and yet sometimes I choose to dwell in, in knuckleheadedom. That's even a word. Sometimes, in spite of the things that God gives me and the blessings and, and the sight of His mercy and forgiveness, I'm, I'm a knucklehead, and I do stupid things. And I, is there an explanation for it? No. But I'm selfish. And in doing so, do I, am I a good father? At times, no. But then, God forgive me. I know not what I do at times. Is that an excuse? No, it's not. But there it is, God's forgiveness, because God is who He is, and I am who I am, and I know I'm a poor, miserable sinner. And so, there it is, poor, miserable sinner, father, sometimes good, sometimes maybe not, you know, son, eh, same thing, worker, yeah, I don't know. Pastor, chaplain, eh, am I perfect at any of those? Absolutely not. But thank God, God is who he is. And I'm not going to stumble over the fact that, you know, he calls himself he, and I'm not going to rejoice that I'm a he, and he's a he, and therefore sometimes, hey, bro, what's up? I... That, that to me is, it's not even a point because God is far, far greater and God is perfect. And all of God's children owe God a debt of gratitude. That's the first table of the Ten Commandments. And God instructs us to owe a debt of gratitude to one another. And that's the second table of the Ten Commandments. 4 through 10. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And there it is. Whether you're a man or a woman, a father or a mother, whether you are retired or not, you still have purpose. And when that purpose comes to an end, God will call you home. No matter how deconstructed this world is or not, God will call you home. And when that happens, there will be no confusion. You will be you in the, in the way that you have always supposed to be you. 
God's not going to take that away from you. You are going to be in heaven. Will your attitude change? Absolutely. Will you be cleansed from sin, death, and, and, and deconstruction and destruction? Yes. Will you be able to see everything clearly when you're in heaven? Yes. Thank God for that time. But in the meantime, live as God would want you to live, which is a tall order. But live knowing that He is a loving, forgiving, sacrificing God. And He is indeed our almighty, good Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue with the hymn of the day, hymn 893. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, but one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven 
Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, your treasure, your people for Christ's sake, uh, you treasure your people for Christ's sake and give us your commands to guide our ways. Grant that we, redeemed by his blood, may do all he has spoken. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Holy God, send forth laborers to make known the gospel of your kingdom in Christ Jesus. Prosper the labors of pastors, missionaries, um, church members, and all church workers that they, that many people may hear, believe, and praise you. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. O righteous Father, from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth is named, give your grace to the fathers and sons of your church. Inspire them by your own example and the example of your beloved Son to be perfectly united in faith, hope, and love. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, turn the eyes of all who make, execute, and judge our laws to you um, that they may receive wisdom and 
and be as stewards of your creation. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your Son demonstrated the power of over sin by healing every disease and affliction. Give healing to those in need, um, especially we pray for Mel Sullivan, um, who has serious health issues, and we uh, thank you for uh, eternally healing Muriel Santani, who recently passed away, but also be with the fa her family and friends uh, who are here and who mourn her loss. Um, we also ask that you would be with all of those people listed in our bulletin. Deliver them according to your gracious will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, you descended on Mount Sinai and bid Moses to come into your presence. Prepare the hearts of all who come to your altar today as, that they may receive Christ's body and blood for their forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. O oh, blessed Lord, through Moses you called a people to yourself, and from them you delivered up your own Son to be our Savior. By his suffering and death he has redeemed us sinners from our sins, and his, by his resurrection he has released us from the fear of death. Help us to live as your people doing the good works for which we were created and praying with confidence the petitions and supplications of our hearts through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, from the beginning of time, your gracious hand has given life to all things. You shape the world and fashion a people by the power of your word. All creation is renewed by the soft whisper and the thunderous roar of your spirit. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. In this final age of your creation, you have given us your Son, your Word become flesh. In his redeeming death and resurrection, Jesus has fulfilled your promise of a full, secure life on this earth and a certain joyous life throughout eternity. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this for the remembrance of me. Blessed, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Send upon us now, we pray, your Holy Spirit, that living in the light and power of Jesus' resurrection, we may live our lives in praise of you and service to others, and so begin today to experience the inheritance prepared for all your children. Hosanna in the highest.
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us now into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory.
God hope grant you joy and peace in believing so that you will be filled with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord.